I'm just happy to be together in the house of the Lord. I want to remind you about um, Brother Tim Burdett and his church going to come over and be with us on September the 23rd and the 24th, which will be Saturday night and Sunday morning. We're looking forward to that. A great time of fellowship together and just see what the Lord will do for us. Also, I wanted to uh, share with you Brother Wade Altman. Maybe many of you knew that he'd gotten sick this week and had to take him to the hospital. And um, according to the doctors, once he got there, he made it in the nick of time because his widow maker was trying to make a widow out of his wife, Sister Anna. So they were able to do a couple of stints and she texted me earlier this morning and she was on her way to the hospital to pick him up and bring him home. Amen. So we're grateful for the mercy of the Lord to our brother. We appreciate everything doctors can do for us, don't we? We're thankful for that. So I know they would appreciate your prayers and calls and whatever more to just to let them know that we love them and, and we appreciate them. Let's turn today, if you would, to the book of Mark chapter 11, verse 23. We've been looking at the bride's rights for several services, and I'm not sure I'll ever get done with it, but we'll enjoy dealing with it as long as we have time. But I'd like to speak on one this morning that's very, very powerful, wonderful, yet so simple, and yet we wonder how in the world should we be given this right. Mark 11 23. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Quite a scripture, huh? Early, we'll read it again. I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Mark seven twenty five. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now I wonder how many of us would have been left standing to ask the other part of this, had Jesus said that to us. We'd have got so offended. We would have been so mad. We'd have walked out of there. We'd have said that guy's a liar and a false prophet. Why, he ain't the love of God. He was the very epitome of love. 
But Jesus knows who he can try. He's going to use this woman as an example. She's been preached on for thousands of years. We don't even know her name. Now notice, but Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under, notice this, under the table eat of the children's crumbs. I imagine the Lord Jesus was, as we would say, blown away. Now, there were a few people in the New Testament that astonished him, which is quite impressive when you can astonish God. (laughs) And he said unto her, for this logos, for this logos, saying English, but the Greek is logos, for this logos, Go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. Wow, can you imagine just that woman saying the right thing? For this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out. That's jubilee time, ain't it? When you find the devil's done been made to leave. But it was not. Notice Jesus didn't say because of my saying, but because of your saying. She found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. And we'd love to be remembered today as we pray. Let's bow our heads if you would. Heavenly Father, we have an awesome portion of your word laying before us today. This was one of the things that stumped your prophet because he said, you didn't say if I say, but if you say. So we know there must be an understanding to this. I dare say that every Christian that's been saved in here very long at all have tried to speak the word. And many of them would say the the same thing I would have to say. Well, it didn't work, or I said it wrong, or something. But yet we know you cannot speak anything that is not true. So there must be an understanding to this word. I pray you'd help us today. Speak to every heart. Lord God, those that can't be here because of sickness or whatever more they're streaming, may the presence of God go in their living room, their bedroom, and their office, wherever they are. Father, we believe this will be a notable day for us as the children of God. We saw every hand that was uplifted, ministered to the needs of your people. We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So what 
does speak the word actually mean? That's what I want to speak to you about. Speak the word. Probably every Christian here today in your daily walk before the Lord, you speak the word. You quote scripture, you talk about the things of God, and if you don't, you should. But is that the same thing that Jesus was referring to? That just by quoting the written word, the logos, that you would have whatsoever you said. I guess for me, I could understand it, understood it a lot easier and better had Jesus said, if you will just say what I say, and then you won't doubt what I say, then you can have what I say. But that wasn't the way he said it. He said, if you'll take my word and you'll say to this mountain, and you don't doubt what you've said, not what I've said. If you won't doubt what you have said, then you can actually have what you said. So, Every child of God apparently has a right and an ability to be inspired by God himself and to not just repeat scripture and repeat quotes. And we should do that. We should fill our spirit, our minds, our memory with the word of God so that whenever we're in a battle that we can quote that to the devil. But that's not the same thing as this here. This is something that it takes divine inspiration to be able to strike our hearts and make it work. Now, this is something that's going to happen every day of our lives. No, it ain't. Will it happen because we have the ability to do it? We don't have the ability. It'll be when Father chooses to use your mouth to say His Word. So what must I do then, Brother Donnie, until the Lord chooses for that time? Well, what you must do is you say his word every day of your life. You got a need, you confess his word. He's my deliverer, he's my healer, he's everything that I need, and you're saying his word. But then there come a time when you will need it most that he will take your mouth and he will speak his word. Then it's no longer you. It's no longer you saying it, but it's the Father saying it. Now, there are examples, of course, in the Old Testament and the New, and we'll look at a few of them as we lay this foundation a little bit. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever." The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now, I want you to notice there's a combination in these verses and how they tie together in order to make this successful. So Moses tells the children that God is going to smite the Egyptians. They've, they've dealt with them for years and years. They've been under their bondage and their slavery. Now he says, the Egyptians that you see now, you'll never see them again because the Lord's gonna fight for you. 
But apparently Moses is still tore up. You know, the, Moses, of course, writes this book of Exodus, and he de- doesn't tell us what actually transpired between verse 14 and verse 15, but it would lead you to believe that Moses, either within his spirit or he turns away from where the people can hear him, and Moses is still really in this dilemma, and he don't know what to say, and he's asking God, because notice the response of God, and the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? But neither one of these verses actually notes that he cried to the Lord. So it must have been a cry that was not either, it was not either audible or it was something that he turned away from then and then God responds back and said, Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now remember the Red Sea is before them, Pharaoh's army behind them. They've got a mountain range to the right, a mountain range to the left, and they're in a tiny opening there just big enough for them to fit in it. And here they are, they're facing this big dilemma. Now once you notice the way God addresses this, because God doesn't tell him to speak to the water. God doesn't tell him to speak to the mountains. God doesn't tell him to speak to the Egyptians. But God tells him, speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now, wait a minute, how in the world are we going to get the water to roll back? Well, there's speaking and then there's action that's coupled together with word talking. Now, speak unto the children of Israel that they may go forward. But notice the reaction to this voice of God. But lift up thou thy rod. Now wait a minute, I thought he's supposed to talk. I thought he's supposed to speak. Lift up thou thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it and the children of Israel go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So here Moses is told to speak to the children of Israel. How many believes that actions speak louder than words sometimes? Now, what, what's amazing is, as far as Moses standing there and goes, all right, children, glory to God, the Lord told me to tell you all something. I'm gonna stand up here today and I'm gonna preach to you a message about we're gonna open the Red Sea. We don't have any example where Moses actually even st- stood there and said one thing, but yet God told him to speak, speak. And then God tells him an action to couple with his speaking. Now, you know, we can quote the word to we're blue in the face, but there are certain actions of faith that we've got to take. And if we don't take them, your mountain will never move. In other words, there's things that you and I must put forth and we have to operate sometimes on the spur of the moment of that pulsation of faith when God drops it. Now, this is what's happened, of course, to this setting when they are at the Red Sea, and you know the end of the story there, that the Spirit of God moved upon the water where the speaking was at. We don't know. What did he say? We don't know. But all we know is God said, quit crying unto me, okay? I'm sick of it. I want you to quit acting like a crybaby, Moses. I commission you to deliver this people. Talk to them and tell them, let's go forward. And then Moses, instead of standing up and preaching, Moses puts his words into action. And then God tells him to lift up his rod, and Moses obeys what God said. How many believes it's the truth? Joshua chapter 10, verse 12. 
We have another man, total different, of course, calling than Moses. He wasn't even deemed by many to be in the office of Moses. Yep, we see that God called him to stand in Moses' place and take the children of God all into the land of promise. Now, this man's got a different administration altogether. God's going to use him in a way that he's never used another human being since that time. Then Joshua spake to the Lord in that day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel. I want you to notice how peculiar that the words of God are sometimes. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, but he's speaking to God. Joshua said unto the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said, in the sight of Israel. Son, but he said this to the Lord. Is this what your Bible says? I'm sorry you had never read this before. (laughs) And then spake Joshua to the Lord. And this is what he says. Son, stand still thou upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jeshur? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like it before or after it, listen now, that the Lord, not the sun, not the moon, that the Lord, hearkened unto the voice of a man. So Joshua speaks to the Lord and he says, Son, stand still and moon, don't you move. And it obeyed his voice. And then the Bible said there'd never been a day like it before or another day after it since that the Lord, not the sun, not the moon, the Lord, hearkened to the voice of a man. Now, did Joshua ever do this again? Never. Has anyone down through time ever done this again? Not that we know. But isn't it peculiar that it would say he spoke to the Lord, but he's addressing the Son? Now, maybe that's what you need to do with the situation you're in today, that you need to speak to the Lord but address your disease and address your sickness or your oppression or the enemy that is taking your victory and reminding your father that you are a son and daughter and you're sick and tired of the devil beating you to death and stealing from you what is your right. And somebody said, Notice again in Matthew chapter eight, verse five. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick with a palsy, grievously tormented. 
Jesus says unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority. Now there's something this Gentile centurion sees that the Jews at this time did not see. The Jews were taught laying on of hands. And yes, we believe in laying on of hands in case any of you get nervous. We believe in laying on of hands. But the Gentile way of receiving was recognizing power and authority. Now watch this, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. So now watch this man, he wants Jesus to know, I understand who you are. I know that you have power over all sickness and disease. And I recognize that because I can see myself. Now being a centurion, he is over a hundred men. But he also has men that are over him. So they could tell him, you go there, you go this, you go do this. And he would say, yes, sir, I will. But he also could speak to those hundred men which were under him and he could tell them, we are going to such and such and we're leaving at 12 o'clock and we will be there so many days and we're gonna do this. So he recognized Jesus' position. Isn't this amazing? I wonder if Peter and some of the apostles even recognized it the way this man did. I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Wow, can you imagine a Gentile, a Roman, caused the Lord Jesus to marvel? Wouldn't that be awesome for somebody in this building today to be able to cause the Lord Jesus to marvel and say, that's my son, that's my daughter. Listen, angels, listen to them how they're taking my word and they're standing in their position and they realize Satan is not all powerful. Satan cannot manipulate them and do this with them and that with them. They realize I am the one who brought them on the earth. They realize I am the one that controls their life, not Satan. Now notice this, then the Bible said when Jesus heard it, he marveled And he said to them that followed, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Lord Jesus, you mean the whole nation? So this Roman, which was not even saved as we would say, So marvel the Lord Jesus and Jesus would have come back now, Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, Herodians, all them standing there, glory to God. I'll tell you one thing, my daddy was so-and-so, my grandpa was so-and-so, and Jesus said, I ain't found such faith in all of Israel like this. The Lord Jesus identifies this faith as great faith. I hope and pray to God 
that some of us will be able to be identified by the Lord Jesus of having great faith. Nobody wants it. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now this actually astonishes the Lord Jesus. Now we're not talking about, you know, some hick like me or some hillbilly like you all. We're talking about the Lord God in flesh. But this statement so astounded the Lord Jesus that it actually astonished him and he marveled. Was it marveling of the source? Where did this man get this? How did he know? How did he understand this? How could this man being a Gentile surpass the faith of those that knew the law, they knew the Torah, they knew the Mishnah, they knew all the things that the prophet said and they could quote it upside down, sideways, backwards, forwards, and every other way. And here was a Gentile that probably couldn't quote one, much less 10 commandments. And his understanding astonished the Lord Jesus. He understood that there was such authority by speaking the word. So he knew that the bodily presence of the Lord Jesus did not need to go to his home and lay hands on the centurion. Now Jesus offers, I'll go there, I'll pray for him. I'll go there and I'll heal him. They said, no, that's fine, that's not necessary. If you would just speak the word, my servant will be healed. Now follow along with me, if you will, this morning. Watch the prophet. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to speak under, under my roof. Now he's talking about this man. Come under my roof, rather. But just speak the word. There you are. The authority. He knew that Jesus had all power. Who told him this? Who told him? How did he know Jesus had all power? He had all power over sickness, over all diseases, over death, hell. He knew that all Jesus had to do was speak the word. That settles it. Now, Jesus was willing to come and lay hands on the boy and rebuke the fever, so it astonished him. He said, why, I've not found so faith, so much faith. No, not in Israel. Now, the prophet uses this man as an example for many years in his ministry. Again, he says, did you notice when he was going to pray for Jairus' daughter to be raised, Jairus, a Jew, he had been trained to lay hands on people. Jairus said, come lay your hands on my daughter and she'll live. He had been taught that laying on of hands, but to the Gentile, he had been taught power and authority. Now, please understand me. I'm not against laying on of hands, and I will right here today if somebody needs it. But a lot of it is where your faith is. Is laying on of hands wrong? Absolutely not. Is speaking the word wrong? No. Well, you'll find out here in a minute, it's where your faith is. Some people just have faith if a servant of God will touch them, that something will happen. And more than likely it will. But others could sit or be at home or wherever and maybe they're 500 miles or 1,000 miles or 10,000 miles 
away from where a servant of God is, but if they can get you on the phone, if they can send you an email or a text or whatever, they believe if you pray, God will do it. Why? They recognize power and authority. What's this? It's according to what you believe. Both their faith was in Christ. Now watch, here Brother Branham captures Jairus. He was a Jew, so he believed in laying on of hands. Now he captures the Roman centurion, and he says both of them believed on the same person, the Lord Jesus, and both of them got what they needed, but both of them got it in a different channel. What determined the channel? Their faith in the way they believed it. So Jariah said, come and lay your hands on my daughter and, and she'll be well. Now I realize there's an element of folks in the message that say, well, we should be beyond laying all hands. We don't need to lay hands on the sick. Well, I can understand that to a degree, but if that's where people's faith is, I'm gonna pray for them and I'll do it to the, long, the last day of my life if that's what they need. But I also know there are other people that know if they can hear that word and the inspiration falls on them, they don't even need hands laid on them. Ain't that right, Brother Brad? The Lord did for our brother just a few weeks ago and he called me one day this week and he'd been shooting some nails and he had the reading, a little small nail box and he was able to read the tiny letters on the side of the nail box because the Lord touched him sitting right here and corrected his eyes. And then I repeated that when Brother Jewel was here, of course, and a sister from their church, God healed their eyes. I talked to her brother yesterday on the phone. He'd been dealing with all kinds of things in his body, swelling in his feet, swelling in his legs, couldn't even walk. As a matter of fact, the last time I saw him, I had to help him walk into a building. The same time that I said that to Brother Brad, the word that I mentioned, diabetes, the Spirit of God struck our brother at home, streaming the service, the swelling is gone, the Information is gone. He went back to his doctor and the doctor told him come back in a year. I didn't lay hands on him. I didn't lay hands on Brother Brad. I didn't lay hands on the sister from Brother Jules' church, but it was the Spirit of God that struck them and they received it. I don't know how you feel about it. I want it however God wants to send it to me. Amen, I, I, I personally believe if a man of God prays for me, I don't necessarily need his hands on me, but if he feels need to touch me, go ahead and touch me, rub me if you want to. Do whatever you need to do, I need help. I don't care how, I've got to do it. But I realize there's an element of people in the message, oh, we should be beyond that. We don't need prayer for the sick no more. I'll tell you one thing, I think we need more prayer for the sick than we've ever had it. We got more sick folks. And we ain't the only church that's got sick folks. Everybody I talk to has got sick folk. And if there's sick folk everywhere, our God specializes in healing the sick. Now what you notice is he said it's according to what you believe. Both of their faith was in Christ. One said speak the word and it'll be done. The other one said lay your hands and it'll be done. See, it's according to what you believe. Well, now that is the way it is here tonight. Many people has got the idea when people pray for the sick that there's something in the person that's praying for the sick that heals the sick. If you believe that today, listen what you're believing. That is an error. So if you believe one certain man has something inside of him that's healing the sick, you're believing wrong. Well, hallelujah. Y'all gonna preach with me today? That is an error. It's in Christ that heals the sick. 
His death at Calvary, he paid the price for all the sins and all the sickness of the world and whosoever believeth upon that atonement that he made can never or can have whatsoever they ask. The trouble lays in the people. It's a lack of faith. Now watch again how it goes into this about gravitating toward a man. I've heard so many of them say, Brother Branham, if you'll touch me, I'd get well. Well, you know what that is? That's faith. That's what it is. It's, it's what you believe. You see, the woman who come to the tabernacle and she was sick and had a great need from God and she thought Brother Branham would be there. She wasn't there. Brother Branham was out gone somewhere else. She said, just show me where the man walked and let me walk in the footsteps that he walked and I'll be healed. Now, if she would have had to had his hands laid on her, then she would have totally left there defeated. But her faith was not just in his hands. Her faith was he was a servant of God. Now, can you imagine in the days of Peter that people may be sick, crippled, blind, halt, lame, whatever they were, and Peter would just walk on his way to the grocery store down to fish or do whatever, and his shadow would go right across them, and they would jump uphill by the power of God. Why? Their faith did not need for him to stop along and touch them, and yet he did do that. But how would God minister according to people's faiths? So you see, if people believe that the only way they'll get healed is for the pastor to lay hands on them, then you know what? I'm gonna honor their faith. I'm gonna do it. But if they believe that they're in need and sickness and they believe with that same faith, they can call me on the phone or they can walk right up here and say, you don't need to lay your hands on me. Speak the word and I'll be delivered. If they believe that, it will happen. And the church said, Oh my, the Jews believed in laying on of hands. The Gentile believed in say the word, Lord. My son will be healed, is that right? The Jews, dry as come, lay your hand on my daughter and she'll live. But the Romans said, just speak the word and my servant will live. That's right. Now listen to what he says. That's a higher plan. That's a higher. We people here in America has been taught you gotta lay hands on them. Lay your hands, well, that's a Jewish idea. That's not a Gentile doctrine by the Bible. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. Some of y'all are tore all to pieces, ain't you? Well, no need to be. The prophet was a great balancer. You see where the schools of thought come from? And those that don't believe in prayer lines and laying hands on the sick, sure, they can capitalize on these quotes, but read the rest of them. Read the rest of them. Oh, it just, it just turns my stomach. I can't hardly stand to hear a preacher that ain't balanced. It just makes me sick. It just makes me sick to my stomach. I actually get physically nauseated when a preacher will just isolate certain quotes, you know, and just cabbage down on that and make it a doctrine. And I'm sitting there knowing he's leaving now 57 more that say something else also. Come on, let's preach the whole thing. Amen, church? If we're gonna believe it, let's believe it all. If we're gonna accept the word of God, let's accept all of it. 
And let's, let's not look down on people. Maybe people need their hands laid on them. Let's not look down on them and belittle them and make them less of a Christian. May, let's just ask God, God, you minister to your people as they have need of according to where their faith is. But I personally believe we're coming to a time when the higher plane will be reached. Notice he said, that's not a Gentile doctrine by the Bible. If you remember, Jeremiah said, come lay your hands on my daughter and she'll live. But the Roman centurion said, I'm not worthy that you come under my house. Just speak the word. Jesus said, that's the greatest faith. I never saw that in Israel. Now listen, how sad but we just don't seem to be able to comprehend it in America. Well, I personally want to be an exception to that quote. Praise the Lord. Now this is sad. This is 1957. Surely to goodness, haven't we advanced any since 1957. So we would still fit in the category that the prophet said we in America cannot seem to comprehend it. God help us. I want to comprehend it. But what is it? You see, it shows how the tradition, now to me what's wrong when you look at people having to have hands laid on them. It becomes, it, 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 it must be, it just has to be. If Brother Tim don't touch me, Brother Ron don't touch me, Brother Donnie, Brother Daryl don't, oh Brother Daryl's so gifted, he is. But don't you understand, it's not just how gifted Brother Daryl is, it's the faith you have in God's promise. Again, he said the Jews is always laying hands on everything is laying on of hands. But watch the Gentile. It wasn't so. I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. Just speak the word and my servant will live. He turned around and said, I never seen faith like that in Israel. There it is. We're supposed to be on a... Go ahead and say it. Come on. A higher level than that was. We're living on a closer to the world's end than we were then. The Gentile way is believe the word. Hallelujah. I don't mind telling you there's been times in my life when I prefer to God with skin on it. I mean, those what I'm talking about. Oh, sure, yeah, pray for me on the phone, but if you feel led, come by and just kind of hold my hand in the room, you know. Just go ahead and lay your hands on me. Now, come on, I'm just being honest. You might as well be honest too. But yet, is that where God wants us to stay? What if you get into a spot you're a thousand miles away from somebody that can lay hands on you? I want the kind of faith that I can call him down right there. If nobody is there to touch me, I want to be able to call him down myself. You see, that's what the Roman centurion did. Uh, it, it, it's absolutely, this is one of the most phenomenal things to me in the entire example of the New Testament canon of scripture. How did this man not even have the Holy Ghost? 
This man not even confessing Jesus as his savior, was not baptized by the Lord Jesus. This man had not even embraced the reality of who he was as far as redeemer and savior. But yet he understood power and authority. Power and authority. And he believed that what Jesus said would come to pass. Oh my. Notice he said, what did Jesus say? He turned around and said, I never found faith like this in Israel. Well, that's the kind of faith that we want here in California. Well, let me not just limit it to the big state of California. I say, I want it here. How many says with me, we want it in Tennessee. We want it in our church. We want it in our families. We want it in our homes. Hallelujah. I don't want this just to be an example in the Bible that was written 2,000 years ago. I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, that's the kind of faith we want here in California, that kind of faith. Speak the word. I don't think I'll ever forget it as long as I live and I'm in my right mind. Brother George Smith come up several, several years ago when we're still at the old place. Brother George has gone through some different things in his life and really just needed prayer, needed direction and all that from the Lord. He come up and stood about in this position right here in the old church on that right-hand side of the altar. He come up to me and said something like this, Brother Donnie, I believe you are God's gift to this area. And I believe what you ask God, God will do. Wow. Wouldn't it be something if we would be able to speak God's word in such a way that you don't have to have a gallon of oil or you don't even have to feel anything? Well, I didn't feel no different. That don't make any difference at all. If a servant of God is anointed to speak the word of God, you walk away with absolutely no feeling whatsoever. But if you believe it, it will happen in your life. And let me just tell you, in case you're wondering, so, Brother Donnie, so, so how is this gonna work then, the church that the prophet saw was coming? And just in case you're wondering, I have quotes before me that I'll get to momentarily. This is not a, my, my, my imagination. This is something that Brother Branham said was in the making and was coming, a church that they would speak the word and it would flash like lightning. So will it be just two or three special preachers and everybody in the message will go to them or everybody in the message will have to leave their church and and move to them two or three special men? You don't even believe the apostolic form of the gospel if you believe that. God is not pointing to two or three special men. God is not pointing to one special man here and another special man. God is pointing to his special people. This ain't gonna just be one preacher and another preacher and everybody's gonna have to relocate. Brother, that's not what they've done in the New Testament. But Paul went up and down the islands of Crete, over a hundred cities there. And Paul spoke to Titus and said that had a great revival in Crete, over a hundred cities and that visited every one of those cities and villages and Paul ran out of time. And Paul left Titus there. And he said, I left you here to be able to ordain elders in every city. So you see, that's the way the apostolic church grew in the New Testament. A church was not started to give a preacher a place to preach. 
A church was started because a revival come and people got saved and people got stirred. It was the church that gave birth to the preacher, not the preacher that gave birth to the church. Well, come on somebody, read your Bible. Read your Bible. It was not that a man went out and done this and that and the other, but it was the Spirit of God sending a revival, and whenever the revival come, it demanded a preacher. You see, a church that's founded around a preacher, they've got to have him to function. They've got to have him to do this and that and the other. But when the preacher is called on the scene because of the people, it helps him to realize they don't need me near as much as I need them. Well, come on, somebody. But if we're not careful, we get it out of our mind. Oh, this great big guy and this great big guy. Everybody, that's the move of God. That's the only move of God in the last days. That is the spirit of organization that is still around this message, and I'm going to condemn it to my last breath. God don't call a man in Tennessee or a man in Louisiana or a man in Virginia or West Virginia or in Germany, and everybody around the world is supposed to move there. God God wants you to stay where he put you. God wants you to stay and give your life out to be able to progress Jesus Christ and let people see in your little place that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, here I go getting in trouble again. Notice this, and Christ identified the same. Now, what we try to do is try to get the people to believe the Lord Jesus and just accept him without being hands laid on. Now, we know there's a scripture that says that, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And we don't try to belittle that scripture. You see, men who try to belittle that are not operating in the channel of the anointing of Malachi 4. Because the messenger of Malachi 4 did not belittle one scripture to exalt another one. You see, it stumbled me years and years ago because I got saved in a Trinitarian church and I was baptized in titles. But there was people that would try to enlighten me on Acts 2.38. But one of the reasons I could never accept it was, was their approach to it. Because it's like they took Acts 2.38 and tried to make it fight Matthew 28.19. But when a man talked to me one day and he didn't preach to me water baptism out of Acts 2.38 in the name of the Lord Jesus, he actually talked to me about it out of Matthew 28.19. I thought, now that man I can listen to because that man didn't take this scripture to fight this scripture. I tell you, I have a hard time with preachers that get up and take this quote to fight that quote and this quote to fight that. What kind of message have we got if that's what the message is? Come on, somebody. What kind of Bible have we got if this scripture fights that scripture and this and fights that? There's got to be an understanding and that's where the problem lays. It's not the Bible fights the Bible. It's not the message fights the message. No, the message fights the Bible. It's knuckle-headed preachers. Some of them made him call in the first place and they ain't got the Holy Ghost. You watch how a man interprets the word and that'll tell you whether he's called to preach or not. God don't call no preacher that cannot preach himself out of a paper box. Come on somebody. When God calls a man, he's got the ability to rightly divide the word of truth. Oh, a lot of preachers divide it, but they don't rightly divide it. But when a man is called of God, he can take magic.
Matthew 28, 19 compared to Acts 2:38, and say they say the same thing. He can say, yes, sir, the Bible says lay hands on the sick. And the Bible also says speak the word. That's a man that's called of God. These are the kind of men that God wants in the last day that are not kingdom builders. They're not looking to build a reputation or a following, but they are interested in getting Jesus Christ to the people. And the people can be so filled with the Holy Ghost if they have an accident out and they're by themselves. They can believe the Spirit of God can use their lips to speak his word. We don't try to belittle that scripture because that was the commission Jesus Christ gave to the church to lay hands on the sick. But if you'll bear with me, that was more like a Jewish tradition. Remember the girl laying sick, she died your ass, daughter, come lay your hands upon my child, she'll get well. But the Roman centurion, a Gentile said, I'm not worthy, you come under my roof, just speak the word and my servant will live. Jesus turned around and said, I never seen faith like that in Israel. See the Gentile way. How many Gentiles have got in here today? Oh my goodness, I didn't realize the rest of y'all was Jews. My Lord. (laughs) See, the Gentile way is to believe him. Just absolutely believe him. Now we lay hands on the sick, of course, we do. But we try to bring the reality by the scriptures of Jesus Christ being present. Because if I can ever get that over to you, that he is here. We have a musician's chat here at the church, WhatsApp. We share songs, quotes, you know, just testimonies, things like that. And we'll share different things that the Lord is doing in our church, and not only our church, but other churches, of course. And I always notice Harry. And Harry will say this every now and then. I hope we realize who's among us. I hope we recognize his presence among us. And it don't become common to us. Do you realize how blessed you are, friends? You understand there's people in the Tri-Cities that have never seen a miracle. They've never even seen a divine healing. They have never seen anyone raised from the dead. And it's happened in your church. Don't let it become common. Well, it's just the way it is. No, this is not the normal. This is not the normal for the world out here. They don't experience such things. And this is only the beginning if we can keep ourselves small in our sight and see what the Lord God will do among us. He don't want to prove us. He wants to prove himself among us. There's only one great one in the message. (laughs) And it just so happens to be, it's the only great one that's ever been. That's the Lord God from heaven. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. 
we try to bring the reality by the scriptures of Jesus Christ being present, then when you by faith reach up and touch him, what? Yourself. See, like the woman with the blood issue touched his garment. Well, you say, if he was here, I would touch him. The Bible says, Hebrews 3, that he's now a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He can be touched just as well tonight as he was then. Now, we will say amen to that quote, but in reality, do we really believe that? Do we really believe right here today that the Lord Jesus is just as accessible as he was that day when that woman reached out and touched the hem of his garment? Without a scripture, without a quote, without a promise that he would even do it, but somehow it was revealed to her. Oh, glory to God. She believed that if she would touch him, that he would change her life. Notice, usually somebody said, well, you know, brother so-and-so, some minister, evangelist, laid hands upon me and, oh, the Lord heal me. That brother so-and-so laid hands on me. That makes everybody want to see that brother lay hands on somebody. Testing, one, two, three, testing, uh, testing, uh, one, two, three, uh, testing, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. We haven't changed much, have we? Now, this quote is 1964. Here we are in 2023, and people are still doing the exact same thing. That makes everybody want to see that brother lay hands on somebody. After all, it wasn't that brother's hands that did it. It's your faith. But your faith was, if that brother prays for me, I'll be well. If that brother does it, if that brother lays his hands on me, and if your face would have been, Lord Jesus, I need you, come by here, Lord. Come by here. Lord, I need you. Won't you come by here? But I, would you do it for me? Uh-huh. Yeah. See, you want me to do all the praying, don't you? You want me to live 24-7 so close to God that at any time you need me, you can call me and you have confidence that I do that. You know why? Because some of you's got more confidence in me than you got in yourself. And if you're living a life like that, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. We're right at the end time, friends. Oh, you may not be a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher to believe God. That woman that touched his garment was not even saved. She did not have the Holy Ghost. Oh my. Now watch what happens then when a certain, certain preacher and evangelist or whatever lays hands on everybody. So then when the evangelist leaves town, the pastor is just a little bitty fellow in the side of the congregation usually. Some things happen in healings and so forth and they think they have to have the evangelist back in town before anybody can be healed. Well, you know what? I, I figure the one we need back in town is Jesus. 
Praise the Lord. Thank God for the brothers that come through. My God's blessed us. We've been having some wonderful meetings, have we not? We're brothers outside coming in and we're so grateful. But you know what? If none of them's within phone call distance this morning, I believe the king himself is here. I believe the healer is here. After all, Brother Aaron Ogilvy's not the healer. Brother Ron Spencer's not the healer. Brother Darrell's not the healer. There's only one healer. I said there's only one healer, and that's the Lord Jesus. And according to his word, if two or three will gather in my name, I'll be in their midst. Now listen to the prophet's advice. They think to have to have the evangelist back in town before anybody can be healed. Listen! Don't you never believe that. It's your faith in God that does the healing. You must believe God. Now, if you can touch him, then nobody laid hands on you. It was your faith that touched him. And your faith brought the reality. But you see, the problem is many of us don't even realize that. It's our faith. How can I lay hands on you and God stop heart attacks? How can I lay hands on you and great things happen because I'm a great person? I'm not. But you have faith that if I do, God will do it. Yeah, you look at yourself, I ain't nobody, I ain't got no faith. If you didn't believe, God wouldn't answer my prayer. It's not me, it's me and you together. It's not this famous preacher, that famous preacher. It's us as the body of God and we have needs and we call on God and God performs supernatural among us. Don't think you don't have faith and you're not believing. It's you that makes this happen. It was your faith that touched him and your faith brought the reality. So then it wasn't no one touched you, but your faith touched him. And so that brings real genuine testimony to him. But what do we tend to do? Well, glory to God, I want to testify today. Hallelujah, I want this certain, certain meeting and this certain preacher prayed for me. Glory to God, I went so-and-so, I had something else and I went down and I followed him down there and so-and-so and and he laid hands on me and he he prayed for me and God healed me. And if we're not careful, we're building a following. And then what do many people do? They want to sell everything they've got and go follow that preacher. Hey, I'm going to preach today if you get mad at me and throw me out on my head. You should not move somewhere just because a man prayed for you and you got healed. You need to find the will of God for your life. What if God ordains you to sit there? Well, Brother Donnie, in our church, it's cold there. Maybe God wanted to set you on fire and have you to help bring revival to that cold church. Maybe God wanted you to be one of them that would start clapping your hands and worshiping God. My goodness, friend, where did the prophet ever tell us such stuff? Where did Brother Branham ever stand up and tell people to leave their church and move to the Branham Tabernacle? We're doing things and preaching things that are not the message of the hour. Ouch, oh me, help me, Jesus. 
You know how I feel about that. I don't want nobody here at this church unless God sends them. If God sends them, come. If God don't send you, stay where you are. Well, glory to God, you got a new building. I hear God's doing this, that, and other. What's that got to do with you? Unless the Lord God lays it on your heart to be a part of our family. If God lays it on your heart, then leave the right way. Obey it because God will never lead you to leave a church in a way that's contrary to his word. And if you do, you're on the wrong foundation to begin with. But if God sends you here, we want you here. But I'm gonna tell you before you move, you're gonna fight hell because Satan hates this ministry. Satan hates this church. Satan hates you as the people of God. Why? Because we interrupt hell. We deliver the sick. We cast out devils. Hallelujah to God. And Satan hates a church that believes God's word. And that's what we believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe there's a church on its road tonight, a power of the living God that men will speak the word here and there. It's amazing how a lot of preachers leave out that there. They want that quote to end here. There's something selfish in a man's heart when he feels that way. Why would I not want every church that really preaches this message to have revival? Why would we not want healings and miracles and signs and wonder? My goodness, I can rejoice when I hear signs and wonder. It don't have to just be at our church. It don't have just to be among our people. I thank God for every person that gets healed. I thank God for every one of them. Come on, children. They don't have to just get saved in our church and healed in our church. I'm just glad we're part of it. Now, this is your prophet, you do what you wish with it. I believe there's a church on the road tonight, a power of the living God. Notice how he relates this. A church tonight in the making, a power of the living God and associates that church with the power of the living God. That men will speak the word here and there. It will flash like lightning. And a church is coming out, not a psychologist, Not some of this put on make-believe, but a real, true, genuine, anointed, Holy Ghost called out church. And Word of Life Church said, Listen to this in Chautauqua. I would sure hope that I live to see the day when we Americans will have that kind of faith, talking about the Roman centurion, to speak the word, Lord, and my servant will live. Oh, it will be a great day. But this is 1959. The prophet never lived to see it. I mean, the forerunners in this message never lived to see it. But I believe before we leave this world, we will see it. 
As a matter of fact, it's going on right now. Hear ye him, 1960, there will be a power put into the church and now is coming in that the Holy Spirit will so anoint the people So anoint the people till they'll speak the word and it'll create itself right there. Me and Carol was talking about it yesterday. She didn't know what I was going to preach about. I was about to blow up. I was like a helium balloon. Oh my goodness, looking at all these things. And I told her, I said, you know, I shared a few quotes with her and I said, I I really don't care who it is. I don't even care who it is that might speak the word and my daughter is delivered. It don't matter to me. It don't have to be a preacher. As a matter of fact, one of the sisters of our church not long ago came to Carol after church and said, Sister Carol, I don't want you to think I'm crazy and think less than maybe she said, I've just got such a burden on my heart to go pray for Sister Erica. Good sister, love the Lord, and you'd never even in the world even guess who in the world it even is. And Carol said, absolutely, honey, absolutely, you go on. So her and Carol went over there in the presence of God come into the room there where Erica was. Wouldn't it be just like God to use a woman? Wouldn't it be just like God not to use some dignified hallelujah, glory to God. I've been on the field for 397 years and I've won this many people to the Lord and I've done this and I've done that. And God sends some little housewife over and says, sister, in the name of Jesus, get up. And Erica jumps up out of the bed. Hallelujah. Oh, brother, sister, if we're not careful, we'll wind ourselves right away from the presence of God because we tend to rally around personalities and we tend to rally around this gifted man or that gifted man. But there's only one person we should rally around. That ain't a preacher. That ain't a singer. That ain't a musician. Come on, somebody. But that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. He is our king. Hallelujah. He is a devil stomper. He is a cancer killer. He is a giant slayer. That's my God. I said that's my God. They'll speak the word and it'll create itself right there. We haven't seen powers like's coming into the church now. I know it for a fact. Say unto this mountain, be moved. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you've said will come to pass and you can have what you've said. The placing of the church in position. Well, the fullness of the power of the Holy Ghost comes into the church. Then critics' mouths will be shut. Hmm. It'll be a short time Jesus come right off the mountain and went straight to Calvary. 
Notice, it won't last long, but it'll be here. Well, I'm going to tell you something, church. If it ain't going to last long, we better get in while the getting's good. Unless it passes right in front of us and we're left waiting for it. You understand? Clean up your lives. Get your hearts right. Get your spirits clean before God. Forgive trespasses. Quit holding grudges. Enter into the power of Jesus Christ. Forgive those that trespass against you. But Brother Donnie, I'm waiting on them to come and ask me. I've been in a pitiful shape today. As much as I've been run down, hurt, lied on, and everything else around the world, I don't wait for people to come and ask me to forgive them. I forgive them in the person of Christ himself. I ain't waiting for them to come back and harbor an old hard feeling. You want me to hold a grudge? You want me to hold a hard feeling? And you have a wreck, and I've got to call somebody in Tanzania. I've got to call somebody in Mount Kilimanjaro and make it right. Do you want me to live right? every day? Do you expect me to live right to be in contact with God? Come on somebody. Well let me tell you what I expect as your pastor. I expect you to live the same kind of life that you require of me. Don't just require me to live right and be in contact with God. It might be your wife that needs you. It might be your husband that needs you. The oneness of unity. He's talking to the devil. And this is what he tells him. I just taught this people that God is in them. Well, I'd like to say the same thing to old Slewfoot. I just taught these people God's in them. You're ruined. <laughs> I just taught this people God is in them. And if God is in them, they speak. They speak to that disease and say, be away from me. They do it. They speak to that disease and say, be away from me and don't doubt in their heart. Right then, that disease has to move. Lance and Erica went to the cancer doctor on Friday. He walks in the door. First thing he says is, you're too young to give up. You're gonna fight, we're gonna fight with you. I was glad he felt that way, but if he had said the exact opposite, it wouldn't change nothing. 
Come on, saints, ain't that right? The doctors, well, there ain't no hope, but there's still hope in Jesus. There ain't no hope for you to be set free of that. That's a lie. As long as you believe that, you'll never move. But if you believe I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm a daughter of God, I've been telling Erica, tell him why you want to live. Tell him, I want to be a wife to my husband. I want to be a mother to my daughters. I want to be a daughter to my family. I want to come back to church. She cries, she cries nearly weekly because she can't come to church and be in the house of God. And some of you stay home because of a headache, I say shame on you. You imagine Brother Ron Spencer getting up preaching, fighting cancer every day of his life. The people he will condemn at the day of judgment and they stay home for the least little thing. I'll tell you friends, it's time that we arise and realize who we are. We are part of the army of God. You are important, you are important, you are important. Hallelujah, I cannot do this on my own. I need you, we need one another and together we will conquer hell. Let me close. Let me find a place to stop. The Lord put this sermon together for me in about 20 minutes, which is a miracle for me. It takes me days. I knew we was gonna have a time today when he started pouring this out on me. I told Jesus, oh, glory to God, I can't wait to get to church tomorrow. I can't wait because I believe we're gonna see a great manifestation. Let me close. I don't care what it is. If you say to the mountain, be moved, listen carefully. If you've got to go over the mountain for a purpose, somebody would say, oh, I'm a great man of faith. I'll move that mountain. It'll never move. But if there's something over the mountain that you've got to get over there to do the will of God and you can't get over it, under it, or around it, and yet something in your heart is telling you to go, you speak the word. Don't you doubt. And maybe when you speak the word, only one little grain of sand will fall but it's on its road. And the next day, maybe a spoonful may drop. The next day, a teacupful. You'll never notice it. But if you'll just hold steady, hallelujah, knowing that it's being done after a while, the whole thing will fall in. That's the way it is by divine healing. When you see the working of the Holy Spirit, the word laid on, the Holy Spirit anointing that word, proving it that he's here in our midst to vindicate himself to give you the promise, then you accept your healing. Let's stand. The Holy Ghost is deity. God tabernacled in men. It's more than a sensation, more than speaking in tongues, more than shoutings in the spirit. It's more than weeping, more than joining the church. It's God living in men, deity. God himself tabernacled in that person. And when he can speak, It's the same, just the same as God. 
speak. That's the church of Jesus Christ. That's the way the first apostolic church went forth. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You imagine a little insignificant, ignorant woman sitting there hearing the prophet talk about the great things that God had done. Brother George Wright, you've hunted squirrels all these years. Have you ever seen one in a thicket? Have you ever this? No, Brother Random, I ain't ain't never seen it. Well, the only thing I know is it must have been Jehovah Jireh. There was little Hattie. That ain't nothing but the truth. So sisters, don't worry. Don't get you an iPad and start sending to preach a sermon to preach the word. Your part to contribute to the body may not be but a half a dozen words. Or it may not be but one. Amen. And when you say amen, healing flows through your body. Oh, glory to God. Maybe the Spirit of God would inspire me or some other minister to say, God's going to bring your children back. God, hallelujah. You believe what you want to believe. I believe we're in an hour when God is calling back the backsliders. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your loved ones. Come on, somebody. Do you realize by you saying amen and agreeing to that, it might be your very word that will punctuate and release the Holy Ghost out of this service and go start dealing with that boy of yours sitting there with a beer in his hand today, sitting there hiring a kite on dope, and that amen from your heart. Why? Because you said what Hattie Wright said, be it unto me, Lord. Yes, Lord, that's right. That's your word. That ain't nothing but the truth, except you condensed it in that little four-letter word, amen. Be it unto me, Lord. Be it unto my son. Be it unto my daughter, Bring them back, God. Hallelujah. As a certain young man away from God told his parents not long ago, you all quit praying for me. This is your all's fault. I ain't got no peace. I ain't got this. I ain't got that. I ain't got no money. Y'all quit praying for me. How can we? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let me read you one more, Kenna, before we pray. Pergamian church age, so when a spirit-born, spirit-filled man in faith takes that word into his heart and places it upon his lips, well, that is the same as deity speaking. Every mountain has to go. Satan cannot stand before that man. I mean, knows we got some moving up to do. Let's bow our heads, shall we? How many believes what you've heard today? Now, you may not understand it, but you believe. You believe God can do it. You believe we're living in that hour? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many wants to be a part of what our God is doing? Friends, can you imagine? For hundreds and thousands of years, the church has longed 
for this hour that you live in. How Luther would have traded his place, Brother Louis, to be a part of Word of Life. How Wesley, how many of the saints in that day would have loved to live here in this day. This is the crescendo. This is the crowning of all the ages that God allowed you to live. He had confidence in you, Brother Jack. He had confidence in you, Brother Byron, that you'd stand. He had confidence in you, young people, young men, young women, that you'd be able to resist Satan and all of his powers in this day. Let's not disappoint our Father. I mean, like to be remembered before the Lord, just raise your hand. I've got a prayer request here. Please pray for Brother Caleb Dixon. He passed out and hit his head. He's at Franklin Woods. All right, I want you to hold your knee now on this one as well in our hearts. Heavenly Father, I'll be the first to admit I don't understand all that I've preached today. It's so profound. It's so wonderful and yet so simple. But yet, Lord, I believe. I believe. How can a human speak words and miraculous happen? Lord, I've thought about it in the last several weeks when you had me to pray that prayer. And I just mentioned the word diabetes. And one miracle after another. I could say that word every day from now to the rapture. And it don't mean the same thing would ever happen again. I didn't pre-plan it. I didn't pick the word. I didn't choose it. But it was just following the leading of the Spirit. Help us to see. We don't want to leave here today fretted and worried. Oh, oh, no, oh, no. How am I going to know? How am I going to know? Your Father will give you the words to say. Many times we may not even be conscious of it ourselves. But it's Him speaking out of us. Generally, the more we put thought into it, the more we get in the way. So, Lord, the thing of it is, if we can just get out of the way, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, we worship you today, Father. I pray for all these hundreds of people, Lord God. I believe with all of my heart, many of them were sincere, and they love you with all of their heart. They want to be a part of what you're doing, Lord. Lord Jesus, we pray for Brother Caleb Dixon. You see Father falling and hurting his head. I pray there be no evil that'll come of this in the name of Jesus. May the Spirit of God come down right now in that Franklin Woods Hospital. Satan, in the name of Jesus Christ, come away. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for your children. Under the sound of my voice today. In the name of Jesus, those fighting oppression, those that feel like they have nothing to live for, Satan whispering suicidal thoughts to some, I condemn you, Satan. Go back to hell from where you come from. Leave God's people in the name of Jesus. You heard a message. Oh, blessed God, may he return to the abyss. Cancer, evil, pornography, oppression, sadness, addiction of whatever form, may it leave the people of God.
not only those in this visible audience here today, but those that are streaming this service right now in the name of Jesus. We believe your word. We want this higher plane, Father. We want this higher plane. That we will take you at your word. Praise the Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the Lord? Let's just worship him now. You know, worship creates a, a love atmosphere between the bride and the bridegroom that you just kind of move yourself aside for just a little bit and forget the person that's sitting by you and behind you, in front of you, around you. And just close off everybody else for just a little and go to worship in him and tell him what he means to you and how good he's been to you. How you're longing to see him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. We're not interested in praising any man. We're not interested, O oh Lord, in adoring any man, any preacher, any person. We're here to worship you. Oh God, we bless your name. We worship you, Lord Jesus. I was born to serve you, Father. Hallelujah, it reverberated in my soul last week. Every time I'd hear the prophet say it when he talked about little Georgie Carter laying there in that bed for all of those years, nine years and so many months. She was that little lamb, hallelujah, that the prophet heard screaming out. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And he said, she was born to serve God. Oh, it was like, it was like he called my name in there. <laughs> hallelujah, may we hear our name called today, Father. That we won't just hear Georgie Carter or William Branham or Paul or Luther or some great person that we have such admiration for. But may we hear our name called from there. As Harry several years ago was listening to the Invisible Union and the prophet talks about the old violinist as he picked up the violin and they was auctioning off, who give me a dollar, who give me five, who give me this and that. But all of a sudden someone stepped out of the audience and put rosin on the bow and began to tune the violin. Hallelujah. And then the bids went from a dollar or five to a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. What was it? The touch of the master. And then the prophet changes over from the violin and to say, I called you and I ordained you and so on and so on. And Harry said it just so punctuated. It was like the Lord God was speaking to him himself. That's when the word is so real, Father. Oh, Jesus, we love you today, Lord. We don't want to just be churchgoers. We don't want to just be pure warmers, Father. We want to be Holy Ghost-filled sons and daughters of God that you can use in the army of the Lord. We worship you today, Father. We bless your name. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Friends, as Esther of old was ordained of God, 
to come into the palace of the king for such a time as this. As Mordecai said, how do you know, Esther, if it was not for such a time as this that you were called? Many of you, you've fought hell every day of your life and you've wondered, would you even live? Can't you see it's because Satan saw a divine call on you? He hates you. You were ordained for this hour. Hallelujah. You were ordained for this time. Nothing will stop us. There's not enough demons out of hell that will stop this bride from manifesting the promised word of the hour. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Put on your garments, little Esther. Put on your wedding garments and go before your king with your petition. But don't you notice the wisdom of Esther? She didn't make her personal request known first. She wanted a day of fellowship with the king. If I found favor in your sight, would you come to the banquet which I've prepared for you? I want to fellowship with you. I want to sit at your table. I want to sit in your presence. Oh, hallelujah, we so easily go before God. God, I want, God, I need, God, I want, God, I need, God, I want. The prophet said when you go before you ask your petition, go to making love to him, giving him praise and worship. Hallelujah. Don't you love him today? Oh, hallelujah. One night was the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord God, I bless your name. I worship you, Lord Jesus. I lift your name on high, my Father. Hallelujah to God. We lift our hands in the presence of the great mighty one. Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Let me tell you something, friend. It don't take a whole night. All you need is a moment. Whatever your need is right now, you don't have to stay here until in the morning. If you can recognize the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. One night with the King changes everything. Oh, let's sing it now. One day in His courts did forever change my course. One moment in His presence, I've never, I've never been the same. One night with the King changes every scene. Once again, everybody, the chorus. Hallelujah. Oh, one night with the King. Thank you, Lord God. Changes every scene. Just 
lifted their children. Glory to God. Oh, we worship you, Father. We love you so much. It forever changed my cause. One moment in his presence. Oh, God. Oh, I've never, I've never been the same. One night with the king changes everything. The verse. Listen now to the verse. From the desert to the king, it had been my destiny to be chosen for such a time as this. I didn't know that all my dreams could become realities. Then I saw his face, his love captured me. Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I've never been the same since I knelt at that little Pentecostal church that day. You captured my soul, Lord God. My cause. One moment in his presence. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I've never, never been the same. One night with the King truly changes everything. Verse again, listen now. Oh, from the desert to the King, it had been your destiny. You are chosen for such a time as this. You didn't know that all your dreams could become reality. Then you saw his face, his love raptured you. Oh, one night with the king. Oh, let's worship him, saints. Oh, Lord God, we bless your name, Father. Listen, you see, she's homesick today, Father. Give her a moment right now in your presence. Let's receive your healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. One moment in his presence. Oh, I've never, I've never been the same. One with the king changes oh just one moment with the king forever changes one night with
and the last thing will be your body. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Glory. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I said glory, glory. Oh, hallelujah. Since I've laid my burdens down. Come on, let's worship him now. Come on, sing it with me. Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. How many can say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord? How many can say it's been a bad day for the devil? It's been a bad day for the kingdom of hell, but it's been a good day for the bride of Christ around the world. God bless you, Brother Louis. Come and sing them happy. God bless you, saints. See you, Lord willing, Wednesday. this before we leave today. Have you, have you enjoyed being here? Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Gets better all the time. Satan hates it, but we love it, don't we? We love this word. Praise the Lord. Let's sing a little bit of this with Brother Harry this morning. We sing this a lot and have been singing a lot. Brother, Brother Lenny wanted another dose of it this morning, so if you can stand it. We couldn't sing about anybody any greater. You know, the woman Amen. told Brother Branham, you brag too much on Jesus. He said, I hope that's, that's the only thing he'd have against me. <laughs> well, I climbed the highest mountain. Hallelujah. Looked all around. Goodbye. Couldn't find nobody. Went down into deepest valley Looked all around there Still couldn't find nobody 
Praise God. If it makes the devil mad, there's some more reason to do it for the Lord. Amen. God bless you. I'm glad you've been here today. I know you're glad you've been here today. It's been a great time in the Lord, hasn't it? Remember service, Lord, willing Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. We'll come back and look forward to what God has for us again. Sing it as you go today. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. The devil don't like us praising God around here. No, the devil don't like us praising God around here. Oh, we don't care what the devil don't like. We're going to praise him with all of our mind. The devil don't like us praising God around here. Oh, the devil don't like us shouting for the Lord around here. Don't like us shouting for the Lord around here. We don't care what the devil don't like. We're gonna shout with all of our mind. The devil don't like us shouting for the Lord.